was nice. Thank you, Zita. Good morning. My um, name is Richard. If we've not met before, if you are visiting us today, just want to add um, my welcome to that which you've received already. It's really great to have you with us. We're a community of people who love Jesus. Um, Jesus has changed our lives, and um, we want to share that with the world. Um, and that's kind of what we're focusing on a little bit um, this morning as we look at the Word of God together. So um, if you have a Bible with you or a Bible reading app, um, if you go to Matthew 28, and verse 18, it's the last um, three verses of um, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go everywhere and make disciples. Go everywhere. Go into all the world. Go to the ends of the earth. Go and make followers of Jesus out of people from every nationality all over the face of the earth. Help people to encounter Jesus so that they can make that decision to follow him with their lives. If you turn to Acts chapter 1. And verse 8, Jesus said this to his disciples after he'd risen from the dead and he'd spent time talking to them about what he wanted to do through them in terms of establishing his rule and reign in the earth. He was speaking to his disciples just before he was taken up into heaven. And he said to them this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. God spoke to us, didn't he, through that, that picture that, that Rian described to us earlier on in our time of worship, about lights coming on, and how he hasn't called us just to bring light from a distance, but he spoke about us being present in people's lives, and Part of that image, if you remember, was a, a surge of power coming amongst his people. A surge of power in our lives, very much in keeping with what Jesus himself promised. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be a witness. You will be a witness to me. You'll receive power when God himself comes to live in you to presence himself in your life, you'll receive power when that happens. And when you receive that power, it will enable you to be a witness. It will enable you to give evidence. It will mean that your life suddenly becomes part of the evidence, part of the proof that Jesus really is real, that Jesus really is alive. That Jesus came and died and rose again and offers hope 
in our world. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. If you will give your life to following Jesus. If you will turn away. If you will repent. If you will turn away from a life that is centered on you. And you will give your life to wholeheartedly following Jesus. If you will say he is the king. He is the commander in chief of my life. It's all about him. It's all about his purpose. I've turned away from living life my way. I've turned away from following my own desires. The things that I longed for. I've turned away from that. I've said he is my meaning. He is my purpose. Jesus promises you when you do that you will receive. The Holy Spirit. It's a promise made by Jesus for you. For you, your children, for all who are far off, for everyone who God will call to himself. I will fill you with the Spirit. And you will be for me a witness. You will be for me a witness. You, yourself. This is the person sitting next to you this morning. But you have been called. To be a witness to Jesus. A witness to what he has done in this world. You yourself are called to be a witness to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your life is called. The meaning and purpose of your life is to give evidence. To bear testimony. To bear witness to the fact that Jesus died and rose again. You will be a witness to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, sent from heaven. Your life, a witness that Jesus is the Son of God, sent from heaven. You will be a witness to the fact that he is alive and offers people hope and a future. You will be a witness to the fact that we can find forgiveness in him. You will be a witness to the truth that we can be restored through him to the very purpose that we were made for. You will be a witness to the fact that we can have an intimate, meaningful relationship with God and experience his tangible presence in our lives. That's the promise of God. Your life will tell that story. What makes a good witness? What makes a good witness? When we talk about testimony, um, it kind of becomes a bit of a Christian jargon, doesn't it? My testimony. And I guess sometimes we're tempted to make our testimony slightly more dramatic. Or at least we wish it were more so. I used to be a drug dealer. Actually, they were class A drugs. Actually, I was on drugs permanently all through the day, every day, for years. And, oh, and did I mention I was homeless as well? Oh, and in between being a drug dealer and being homeless, I was into drunken parties and sleeping around, and I was possessed by multiple demons. None of those are actually part of my story. Just um, 
for the record. Um, but there are people amongst us with genuine testimonies like those, who genuinely have experienced some of those things and experienced incredible transformation when Jesus came into their lives and rescued them from those kind of circumstances. And we're rightly amazed by those dramatic stories of salvation. And we're rightly impressed by the change that God, through Jesus, can work in a person's life. We thank God and we're so encouraged to see that transformation. But let's think for a moment. Let's think about a court case. Because that's where we're used to hearing kind of people talk about being a witness and giving evidence and, and giving a testimony to something that's happened. A good witness is not actually someone who changes or even exaggerates their story just to try to secure a conviction. You know, you've probably seen it in these courtroom dramas. Um, you know, everyone knows that the person is guilty and they want to get them put away, but the, the, the prosecution is struggling to build a good case and so the, the, the police detective or whoever, or, you know, the lawyer comes and, and leans on the witness and if you can just kind of like, you know, we need to secure a conviction and, and, and it's all in a good cause because we know they're guilty and we want to see them put away. So if you can just kind of like embellish your story slightly, if you can just imply and, you know, obviously they're not allowed to say it so they kind of like hint and it's, it's all dramatic, and, they, and they're tempted to, to embellish and to exaggerate their story. And they tell a story, they give evidence that isn't really true. But it's kind of like, yeah, but we want to secure that conviction. We want justice to be done. And sometimes as Christians, we can be tempted to kind of tell the story that we think will secure the result that we want. But actually, a good reliable and credible witness is simply one that tells the truth. A good, reliable, and credible witness is one who tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You see, if you really are a Christian with God himself living inside of you. And that is God's promise for everyone who truly turns away from following their own direction in life. It says, God, would you forgive me and enable me by your spirit to give my life to following you, making you in charge of my life. You see, if you've done that and God has come to live inside of you, then your story will make Jesus famous. I promise you that. If you, it is not possible to genuinely turn away from living life your own way and turn towards, put your faith in God and say, come and be Lord of my life. It is not possible for us to do that and not be changed. Because if, if I say it is possible to give my life truly with my whole heart to Jesus and not be changed, then that undermines the truth of everything that we believe. So it is not possible to give your life to Jesus truly, wholeheartedly, to turn your life around and say, I'm giving you control of my life and not be changed. Sometimes that change is sudden and dramatic. 
And people stop being drug dealers and they stop being alcoholics or they, they stop being homeless or what, whatever it is. God works an incredible change in someone's circumstances. But sometimes it's more gradual and progressive. And sometimes it's to do with, well nearly always it's to do with emotions and, and things deep inside. And so whether there are outward signs that correlate to that inward stuff that end up being affected. Or whether sometimes we don't see the stuff immediately on the outside. But nevertheless something is changing deep on the inside. Change is nevertheless taking place. You cannot genuinely become a Christian and stay the way you were. So we all have a story to tell. Every single one of us has a story to tell. A story about how we came to believe that Jesus is actually real. Not just a philosophical belief. Not just a story that we got told at school or in Sunday school because our parents dragged us along to church. But a story of how we came to believe that he is actually a real person, that he's alive and that he is the king of the universe. A story about why you chose to follow him. A story about how he has and is changing your life since you gave your life to following him. Now, I know the deal. You come, you sing the songs, and then you get to listen to a preacher, and then you get to go home. I'm sorry, I'm breaking the rules today, because I would like you to talk to one another. I'd like you to find someone that you can do this with. Someone, it's probably easiest if they're sitting next to you, but you may say, well, actually, we've been married for 47 years, and I kind of know the answer to this question, so feel free to mix it up a little bit if that's helpful. But I'd like you to just practice telling your story. And the first question is this. How did you come to believe that Jesus is real? How did you come to believe that Jesus is real? Now, some of you have done these kind of exercises where it's like you've got one minute, you're on a train, your stop's coming up, and you've got to give your testimony. And you've got one minute, and the, and the, and the, the person leading the meeting kind of puts you a minute on the clock, and you give your testimony. I don't want you to do that. I don't need to reel off the practice story. I just want you to tell the truth. How did you come to believe that Jesus is real? Now, if you don't believe that Jesus is real, that's fine. You can just tell the truth about where you're at, and hopefully you'll be sat. You know, it would really help us this morning if you, could, if you don't believe that Jesus is real. Don't have two people who don't believe Jesus is real <laughs> sitting next to each other. That's probably not going to help. So... Sit next to someone who does believe that Jesus is real, and you can just talk to each other. That would be great. Okay? So you've got a couple of minutes each to tell each other your story. How did you actually come to believe that Jesus is real? Can you do that? It's not complicated. You just tell the truth. Okay. So... If you haven't already, it's time to swap over and let the other person tell you why they believe or how they came to believe that Jesus is real. Okay. So I've got... You can finish 
sent into your own. Some of you may have to arrange to carry on afterwards. You've done it. You're already supposed to switch round. <laughs> okay. Time out. I've lost you, haven't I? Okay. So, second question. So you're going to get to talk more. Second question. Why have you chosen? Why? We're just telling the truth, okay? We're not giving clever answers. Why have you actually chosen to make Jesus the king of your life and give your life to following him? Why have you actually said that you'll make following him more important than anything else in your life? Why did you decide to make him king instead of pursuing your own thing in life? Okay, you get the question? Why did you decide to make Jesus king of your life? Just tell the truth to the person that you're working with. Okay, so if you haven't already, then switch around and make sure the other person gets to talk about why they have made Jesus the king of their life. Okay, last question for you. Last question. And telling the truth, not making up your dramatic stories. What difference has following Jesus made to your life? What difference has following Jesus made to your life? How is your life, in your opinion, different to how it would have been if you weren't following Jesus? Okay? How's your life? What difference does it make to your life to follow Jesus? Go for it. Okay. If you've not done so already, switch around and let the other person talk about the difference it's made to their life. That's great. Thank you so much. If you can hear me and someone next to you can't and they're still going, maybe just give them a little nudge. Thank you so much. That was good. Thank you for, um, for taking part and for entering in so enthusiastically. Um, you know, for some of us, um, you know, you're used to doing that and you feel very comfortable. But for some of you, you're not used to doing that. For some of you, somehow, doing that here maybe feels slightly easier, but maybe just haven't really done that. Maybe just don't really find yourself talking like that very often in your workplace or with your non-Christian um, family and friends. And yet you can. You can talk perfectly naturally about what you feel and what's going on in your life and what's happened in your life. See, being a witness is about sharing your story. Yes, we need to know the truth of the gospel. We need to know the doctrine. We need to know what Jesus has done. We need to know what the Bible says and be able to share that with people when that time comes. We need to be able to explain to people the good news 
of what Jesus has done and the hope that he offers. And we want to be able to share that gospel, that good news with as many people as possible. But the truth is, the reality is, we don't always get that opportunity, do we, to give an uninterrupted presentation of the gospel. And also, there's a very real danger that if we just learn it as a kind of doctrinal presentation, that people see straight through that. Have you ever been in that situation where you know that someone has just entered into their sales pitch with you? Maybe it's on the telephone, or maybe you've just met someone. This happens a lot at conferences. You meet someone, and you think they're just being nice, and they're interested in you, and then you realize, I am being networked. This person really doesn't care anything less about me and what's going on in my world. They just want to know if knowing me is going to be advantageous to what they're trying to achieve. And they're just networking me in this situation. And then they're going into their speech about their cause and what they represent and why I should sign a direct debit form to give so many pounds a week. Um, you know, you have them, don't you? You have the, the charity guys, bless them, they do a hard work. Do you know, if you want to know, I don't know if I should share this with you, I always ask them, do you give? to the charity that you're trying to... And normally they kind of go very shy at, at that point. Um, it's a tough job, I realise, and I realise that they're trying to raise funds for, for a cause. But you know when you get that speech, and it's just like you know that this is just that, that speech, that sales pitch to try and get you to... And if we're not careful, we can turn the amazingly awesome good news of the gospel just into our sales pitch. Just into, I've got to deliver the, the facts, the, the, the doctrinal presentation. And, and actually, people want to connect with you at heart level. People want to know what difference this truth that we do believe, and the facts of which are vitally important, but they want to know the difference that that has made in your life. They want to be able to see that. They want to be able to get close to that. And actually, much of our witnessing takes place amongst friends or family or colleagues that we see again and again and again, don't we, on a repeated basis. So what do you do when you've done your gospel presentation and you built up to it and you prayed into it and the moment came and you did your gospel presentation and it was like you were just waiting for that moment and they went, all right, yeah, interesting, I'll think about that. And then you saw them the next day. And then you saw them the day after that, and then you saw them, and then it dawned on you, actually, I'm going to see them every day for the next few years. And you're like, where do I go from there? And do I just give the presentation again every single day? But this is the beautiful thing about the story of your life. Because the story of your life is present in their life in an ongoing and continual basis. So the moment will come and hopefully repeatedly, when you do get to share, please do not think I'm diminishing. It's really important that we get to share the truth of the gospel. But we also have to realize the power of our story. Of the story that your life is telling when it's present in a daily, ongoing, regular basis in people's lives. It's so powerful that you get to be present in other people's lives. You get to continually point to the truth. 
And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, if that makes me feel uncomfortable about the power that God has invested into my story, if that makes me feel uncomfortable that actually my life is continuously telling a story of who God is and what he's done by its very presence in the lives of others, then we have to start asking ourselves some questions, don't we? Do you get what I'm asking? If I don't feel comfortable with the story my life is telling, if I don't feel comfortable that actually my presence in my workplace or in my community or in my family is actually telling a story of the God of transformation who offers hope and gives us a future and does amazing things in our lives, if I'm not comfortable with the story that my life is telling, if my life does not consistently point to the truth, if it does not tell a story of the power of forgiveness and of grace and of transformation, if my life does not tell a story of the one who sets us free from sin and brings us into intimate, meaningful relationship with himself, then the answer is not to embellish my story. The answer is not just to try and beef it up a bit, to put a bit of a spin on it, to give them the answer that I think that they should hear from my life because they will see through that and it will undermine my testimony and we will end up with people saying, well, Christians, they're just hypocrites. The answer is not to embellish or exaggerate or try to hide the reality of the story of my life The answer is to actually live the life in Christ that I want to live. To actually go back to basics and to say and ask myself, why am I following Jesus? Why do I believe that he is real? Why do I believe that he is the king of the universe? Why have I given my life to following him? What difference does that? Can that, should that make in my life? The answer is to live the story that you want your life to tell. And that doesn't have to be about, you know, you were once a drug dealer or you were once this or you were once the criminal mastermind of the whole of the United Kingdom or, or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be that. It might be that. If you're here, repent. Um, <laughs> But it's about actually believing the truth. Actually believing the gospel with your whole heart. Actually saying, I'm going to run after Jesus with everything I am. I'm going to make my whole life about him. I'm going to invite him to work in my life. And I am going to watch the transformation that he does in me. And then I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready to give a reason. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 And I'll finish with this scripture. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be ready with gentleness and respect to give a reason for why your life is the way that it is. To give a reason for the story that your life tells to the people 
all around you. Live your life openly. Jesus said, didn't he, in Matthew 5, um, in verses um, 14 to 16, Jesus said um, that we should let our light shine. That we shouldn't put our light under a bushel. We should let our light shine. We shouldn't shine from a distance. But we should get up close and into people's lives and let the light of Christ Give your life wholeheartedly to Jesus and he will shine through you. Give yourself to following him. Don't just work on embellishing your story. Don't just try and work up a great script to share with people around you, but actually live it. Live the truth of the gospel in your workplace. Live the truth of the gospel in your home, amongst your friends and amongst your family and let them ask you and be ready Be ready to explain why. You don't have to force your faith down people's throats to provoke questions. If we live, if we actually live, not a half-hearted, not a a cold, but if we passionately and actively live the truth of the gospel, if we follow Jesus with our whole hearts, and we're real about our lives and live them openly in front of other people, we will shine. For you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And you will be his witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, Manchester, Salford. Your place, your workplace, your community. You will be his witnesses to the end of the earth. Amen.